Sugarcoated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sugar Coated. I have a very special guest with us here today. Her name is Dylan Jaras, and she's incredible. And I, I just can't wait to talk about her story, her journey, her business. She's the founder of the multi six figure Etsy Blueprint. She is an e commerce entrepreneur and a podcast host. She's also a mom and a very busy woman. So, welcome to Sugar Coated Dylan. Thank you for having me, Adrian. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. We don't typically talk about the actual business of e-commerce, so I'm very interested to kind of hear your journey through that whole e-commerce world and sort of where you started, because so many of the women in our audience are sort of in the same position or are going through the motions of maybe moving out of corporate, moving into their own business, maybe e-commerce, maybe something else. So I kind of wanted to dive in just to start to sort of, you know, how you got to be an e-commerce entrepreneur, what was your journey to get there? Because you did work in corporate. Yeah. Yeah. So in college, I went to the College of William and Mary. I studied business and I thought I should go on and get an MBA. And I thought, oh, okay, I should go do the MBA thing and then I'll get like a better job. But then I thought, you know, why not get like a real life MBA by actually getting experience? Because right now, you know, I mean, it didn't really make sense. I didn't have a focus necessarily or a clear direction, what area to go in in business. And so I looked for great companies. That was kind of my thing. You know, I looked for a great company to have on the resume and I didn't care what I had to do there. I, I would, when I interviewed, I ended up starting at Zappos, uh, which is owned by Amazon and they're in Las Vegas. But I said, you know, I will be the janitor for free. Like, I just want to work here. <laughs> so <laughs> I got my foot in the door in the buying path. So buying product development, pricing strategy, and worked there for a few years, moved up to Seattle, worked for Zulily, that flash sales site. And then I got married and I met someone in the military, which was not expected. And, you know, you move all the time. So I kind of was forced out of the corporate world in a way but I was only 26. And I thought, my gosh, like, did I peak? <laughs> was that like the peak of my career? And, you know, I was making six figures. And I thought, wow, this is so great. I was climbing the corporate ladder. And, and we moved to San Diego. And there's like, not a lot of e commerce here. So I was interviewing, interviewing, you know, f getting offers for jobs that were paying half of what I made before. And that, you know, I'll just see what I can do here. Like, so I put some stuff on eBay. I put, I put something from our wedding on Etsy. And then I was dog walking and house sitting. And 
I just was like, let's see what kind of works. I was trying a bunch of things and the Etsy thing, something sold. And I thought, oh my gosh, like now I have to ship this thing. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, now I have to figure out how to make it. because It was just a picture of something from my wedding. And, and then it took off by the fourth month. I was making over 10K per month. And I quickly realized, wow, I, I can make way more working for myself than I could ever make in, in the corporate world and on my own time, you know. Gosh, that's incredible. And when you put that up on Etsy, was there something inside of you that said, you know, I liked this and I don't know what it is. You'll have to tell us, you know, I liked this. I think other people will too. Or was it truly just like, let me throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks? Yeah, it was a floral letter J for our last name. And I'd seen it on Pinterest. So I thought we could make it ourselves. It was made out of like foam and toothpicks and like there's no way we could actually ship it like that. So then when someone bought it, we had to like make it out of wood. But yeah, I thought, you know, I was, I just got married two months ago. I liked this. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Hmm. So then, yeah, we were kind of first to the market in the U.S. Etsy market with that. And it took off. That's amazing. Now, I, I also know from some people that I I actually went through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. So some of the women that were in my cohort sell their, whether it's jewelry or, you know, whatever it is that they make, they did really, really well on Etsy. And then something changed. And they were sort of struggling because I guess it was like the either the algorithm changed or maybe there was just more sellers. So I, I know in some of your videos, you talk about how even though the market might be saturated, there still is opportunity on Etsy. So, you know, just diving into that a tiny bit in case anybody who's listening has had some challenges around Etsy. Can you just talk about that a tiny bit? Yeah. So I think in 2020, when everyone was home, you know, Etsy was a thing. They were like, I'm just going to throw up this, this, you know, these digital products on Etsy and earn this passive income. So there, you know, these people had all this time and they would, you know, there's all these shops on Etsy now that are very mediocre. They're still up there. They have like, you know, less than 10 sales and they just kind of flooded things a little bit and mm. created some noise. So I think that's part of it. So there's a lot of mediocre stuff out there. People working with real strategies, though, I don't think really the percentage of that has gotten any higher. So mm. we, I mean, I helped, I've helped about 1700 people really with Etsy shops in the last year. And a lot of them are brand new shops still, you know, getting traction within the first month, you can get to 100 sales if you do it right. Um, so it's not too late. Definitely not. I love that. That That's so, that's so not not only inspiring, but also, you know, hopeful uh, for some of the really creative people that are out there because Etsy truly is that platform that allows you to get in front of other people that you might not otherwise be able to unless you're going around to, you know, all the different different trade shows and, and things like that. Um, so I, I love that. So one of the other things that I thought was incredibly interesting about your story, sort of moving from corporate, moving into Etsy, becoming successful, and then, you know, being able to realize and recognize, well, what were the things that you were doing that made it a success? And then teaching that aspect of it and 
and creating your own platform. Mm -hmm. Because I think that this is really interesting, like a business evolution that's really interesting is sort of, you know, have success in a certain area, e-commerce or otherwise. And then other people want, you know, they, they want the they want the know-how so that they don't have to spend all of the time and make all of the mistakes that you, you know, you probably made some mistakes and that's why you know that this works versus that works. So the fact that you transitioned and created this platform of courses and then also the fact that you have a podcast where you're, you know, teaching people what to do. What was the impetus for creating that content platform and how can other people do that as well? Yeah. So I saw a hole in the market for someone with actual e-commerce experience teaching Etsy. All the people, Mm -hmm. I started on YouTube and then we went on to the podcast after it. And on YouTube, it's all these people who, you know, it's great. You know, they're like teachers or nurses and they they tried Etsy in 2020 and kind of got lucky almost. And so it's like, this is how, this is how I did it. And it's kind of telling this is how I did it versus like, this is a repeatable process based Mm -hmm. on e-commerce principles. So that's the big difference in kind of our approach and people like, listen, they're like, oh, you sound like, you know what you're talking about. You sound different. And I think we're definitely filling a hole, which helped us take off quickly. But I mean, it's funny, the whole reason I started this, this coaching um, business was because I actually worked so much on my feet with production that I got uh, vascular disease in my legs. I had to get, I had to get like surgery. And the doctor's like, oh you God. can't keep doing this. You have to like be sitting for work. And so I thought, okay, I'll outsource Etsy, completely outsource that. So I still have it with an employee managing that. And then now I teach and now I'm able to impact so many more people. So if you ha- know something, if you are an expert in something, you know, think about what you're the best at. What would other people say you are known for or an expert at? How could you monetize that? Like if you can find a way to help people save time or make money, you can monetize that. But the Mm. key is you actually have to be a legitimate expert. Not, you know, I studied affiliate marketing in a course and now I'm going to teach it in a course. (laughs) It doesn't always work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think that this is something that especially women do really well is, you know, we, we want to see other people be successful and we're really good with explaining sort of how to, how to do it. It almost goes back to like when, you know, maybe cave, cave woman times when you had to maybe, you know, stitch something together. We were showing others in our circle in our community how to do that so that we could, you know, multiply our output and help the tribe, if you will. So I just, I feel like there's this innate ability that women have in order to sort of like instruct in a way that also makes sense to other women. So I I think that this is a really good, it's like a good strategy for business if you're looking to add an additional revenue stream. Definitely. And it can be as big or as small as you want. You could keep this as something on the side, just have a few, you know, consulting clients. You don't have to have this, uh, you know, a big company or something. You could, you could keep it a one person thing, but when you're charged for your time and do coaching and consulting, you can, you can make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's something to definitely explore. You don't have to jump all in. You can dip your toes in. 
And for people, just like some advice diving specifically into the the Etsy e-commerce world, uh, for people that are thinking to themselves, like, that's something that I'd like to, you know, try out. Is there, cer- is there a certain, um, like, product category or type of business that maybe the odds are a little bit more stacked in the favor of versus something else. Like what is, what is some of the like fundamental advice if, if you wouldn't mind sharing for people that want to sort of get into this? Yeah. So this is kind of a funny thing or maybe a weird thing to say, but if you're not a creative person, don't try to force yourself to become one. I will say that because I think with print on demand and digital products, which are, you know, it's a lot of graphic design. If you are really, really bad at it, like, it's okay. You don't have to go that route. There's much better options that don't require that creativity. You could get into the supply category, which is really about, you know, buying wholesale and reselling. You could do things that don't require graphic design experience. I see a lot of people try to force it. And, um, you know, you could save a lot of time and make money faster if you just, okay, be honest with yourself. Okay. Do you love, do you love graphic design? Are you actually good at it? Or would you be better off with a different business model on Etsy. So I would start there, actually look at what you're good at and then lean into that versus trying to force something. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So there are so many different e-commerce platforms out there. Some of the really big ones, you know, Etsy, Amazon, Shopify, a backend system that allows you to have your website and, and sell. Is there any, I guess more of the question is, what is the advantage of, let's say, standing up a shop on Etsy versus Amazon or versus your own shop, Shopify. Yeah. So I also sell on Etsy or Amazon and Shopify and Etsy. So all three. And Amazon, if you're going to do FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon, you have got to be ready with some capital. You've got to have cash ready to deploy. Um, It is a cash intensive business and the returns are not overnight. So it takes a while. So you have to be, you know, really looking at a longer time horizon to start making any profit on that. Um, Just the PPC, you know, paying for ads, essentially, um, it eats up a lot of your profit. Um, And also Mm. you don't own your business. You don't own your policies. You have to accept returns, which can be a headache. So the profitability of Amazon while at scale, you might be fine. It takes a long time to get to that scale. And then mm. Shopify, the the issue there is you don't have traffic. So people are like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to pay Etsy fees. I just want my own website. Okay, well, you build this beautiful website and now no one's coming to it. <laughs> it's like, what do yeah. I do now? So Etsy has the built-in traffic, which is great. Very different types of customers uh, versus the Amazon customer. There are you know, some really profitable customers on there you can target and you don't have to worry about the traffic piece. You can just focus on getting your product up. Hmm. And with Etsy, do people need to have hand created something? Because it, it started out like that, I, I as I recall, maybe and maybe I'm wrong, but I have also seen other type of products that are on Etsy that are not, you know, handmade. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely want to look at the policies, but there's different categories. So there's vintage items, you know, handmade traditional Etsy items. And then 
there's digital, which is, you know, could be a spreadsheet. It could be Mm. a checklist. It could be something you just make in Canva really quick. There's digital products. And then print on demand does fall within the handmade category because you're the designer, but someone else Mm. is making the product for you. So you you create the design for a t-shirt. Someone else does all the fulfillment. So you Mm. don't have to hold inventory. And then supplies are an interesting category. It's, you know, components of anything or something for an event or occasion, like anything for wedding is a supply item. And that mm-hmm. is very lucrative. And it's a, an area I recommend getting started in if you're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that leads into my next question that I was thinking about. So I sort, I've sort of touched on it before, but, you know, let's say somebody just is sort of has an entrepreneurial mindset and they're like, I I don't really know exactly what it is. I'm not necessarily an expert in anything, but I do want to get into this Etsy game and sort of see if there, if I can uncover a profitable area. And I love that you just said sort of like the wedding supply industry, because if you are an individual who's, you know, putting on a party or throwing a wedding, you know, the first thing that I think of is like, okay, maybe go to Party City or, you know, maybe there's some other type of something that you can look up online. I wouldn't necessarily think to first look at Etsy of all places. Yeah. Yeah. Brides now um, that, you know, they want everything personalized and bridesmaid proposal boxes and bachelorette party favors. And, you know, it's a whole thing now on Etsy. It's really big in Q1 and Q2. So the -hmm. first half of the year. So if, you know, you're looking at, okay, January through July, like what's, what's a profitable area to get into on that's a great one. Mm, I love that. You know, another thing that I noticed about your business is that you have a pretty sizable team. And I was actually surprised about that when I sort of dove in because a lot of women that start businesses, we try to do everything on our own and maybe we'll hire, you know, an assistant, maybe a marketing person, but it sometimes it stops there. Mm-hmm. So what was the whole thought process for you behind developing a team? I know that you said that you have other people now running the Etsy portion of your business, but you, you have a, a good amount of people that are working for you. When did you make the decision that like, hey, you need to bring people on, you need to surround yourself with a team so that you can scale your business? Yeah. Honestly, it's probably when I started having like chest pain and getting really stressed out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I, about, let's see, nine months ago, it was only me and one salesperson in our coaching company. We now have 25 people. Wow. Yeah. And what happened was, you know, we got to this point, we have, you know, over a thousand students that we're managing. I'm doing all the coaching. I'm doing all of the sales and all the content. And I uh, have two kids, age two and six, and I'm like, you know, and a husband. And I just got to the point where it's like, this is so bad that I waited so long to hire. So we, we ended up almost going through an acquisition. Someone wanted to um, have a minority stake, about 25%. And the whole summer we're working towards that. Part of the deal was that, you know, they are responsible for b- building the team around you. So I was kind of Mm -hmm. waiting for that to happen at the end of the summer. It fell through like a day before it was going to happen. And then I thought, okay, Dylan, like I like, I was in tears because I thought the light at the end of the tunnel, they're going to bring me my team members. It's like, okay, Dylan, now you've got to figure this out. So I hired a recruiting Mm -hmm. agency to get me a COO. And then 
we kind of built the team from there. But, you know, you can only get so far if you try to do it yourself. Like if you become the constraint of the business, yeah, that's huge risk too. Like you can't take a day off. No, (laughs) you can't go on vacation. You can't, you can't go to your kids, whatever is going on. Yeah. Yeah. So the team was essential. If we wanted this to grow any bigger than it was, couldn't do it alone. Yeah. And just to really get into the practical aspect of this, you had to have, or maybe not, enough cash flow coming in Mm -hmm. in order to hire these team members. So was that something where you did have enough cash flow to support that? Or did you, you know, need to go out and get outside funding? What did that look like? Yeah, so we, I'm of the mind, I run things very lean. I'm of the mindset of as your revenue goes up, try to get your expenses to go down, if anything. Definitely, we are not about lifestyle inflation. You know, my car is like 13 years old. We don't spend what we make. We, you know, we invest in real mm-hmm. estate, business, you know, other things. So that cash flow has never been a problem. Thank goodness. You know, an mm-hmm. online coaching company has very low overhead, you know, in terms of overhead and very few like fixed costs. So uh, it was not an issue, but I've seen where people spending goes way up, you know, faster than the revenues going up and then, you know, you're upside down. So yeah, you just got to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's definitely something that you need to set up when you're also setting up the business. So making sure that the prices that you're charging, that they aren't just covering your salary, but that there's room baked in there for other team members, maybe not at first, but at least you have some money that you're setting aside so that when you do get to that point that it's there. I think a lot of people get into trouble when they almost start their business from that consulting point of view, right? You're a consultant, you sort of trade your time for money, everything's all good until you get more clients than you can handle. And then, uh uh-oh, what do you do? Because your prices have been a certain, at a certain level, you can't go back to the clients and say, hey, you know, I need to double my my fees here because I need help. I just think it's a, it's sort of like that dilemma that you can avoid if when you start out, that you really consider all of those things. Right. And, you know, having iterations of, okay, for the first 100 clients, I'm going to be at this pricing. Okay, for the next 200, I'm going to increase it 15%. And then also, you know, if, if you feel uncomfortable about that, maybe change up what the offer is, what you're offering to really justify that increase in price. So offer more value in some way, an extra layer of support in some way. And then that is kind of, not justifying the price increase, but it makes more sense um, to everyone else. Yeah, I love that. So what are some of the challenges that you faced in your whole entire journey? I mean, it sounds like here you were, you were, you know, you needed to move and then rediscover, you know, what it is. But as you are sort of growing this business and what you see out in the horizon, on the horizon for you, for your business, what are some of the challenges that you faced and what are some of the ones that you foresee? Yeah. So I think some of the challenges I've faced is that in growing this team, I've never been a CEO before, right? And now all of a sudden in the last nine months, I have 25 people who are looking to me to be decisive and to be driving things forward and the visionary. And it's like, 
okay, this is, it's a lot of pressure if you really think about it too much, but <laughs> I think being confident enough that, okay, I got us here. Like I got us this far. I haven't messed up that badly yet. Like trusting myself, like Dylan, you do make good decisions. you got yourself here. Like you can trust yourself to keep making decisions and it's okay to mess up, but you have to stay decisive. And I think staying decisive is a challenge for me um, on a daily basis because I get nonstop questions, like decision after decision every hour. Mm. So staying decisive and then, you know, looking ahead, how do we 10x, 30x this? Because, you know, what we're on a rocket ship and that's what everyone signed up for when they joined this company. So how do we mm. actually 10x this or 30x this? So we're looking at, you know, acquiring a software company or what's another revenue stream that we can build in. Um, so just keeping looking ahead and um, not getting complacent, not that I ever was, but <laughs> more so now. Yeah. That's amazing. And I really admire the the thinking about, okay, what can we do to 10x, 30x, 100x this company? And what does that look like when you put your mind there? then you start to make some decisions about today that if you're just thinking about, okay, you know, what do we need to do for next month, right? In order to sort of get by, you're going to make different decisions all together. There's a book that I recently completed called 10X is Easier Than 2X. Mm. And it's amazing because it, it does talk about that. Like those incremental decisions are not the things that are going to you know, exponentially grow your business. It's the, that 10X mindset. And what are those actions that you take from that point of view that can really help you to blow up your, your business and take it to where you need it to go? Yeah. Yeah. Not thinking too small and, you know, having big goals. And I think that that really helps and finding people also who are ambitious to be around you. Cause there's a lot of people yeah. who are just happy clocking in and out you know, they don't want to build anything. But if you find people who are builders, you're not going to get frustrated because they're just going to be building right alongside you. You don't have to motivate them. That's they're like internally motivated to do that already. So yeah. that's amazing. So do you have in addition to the, you know, the people that are on your team? Do you have a, an advisory board? Do you have people that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of because you are, you know, you're creating something that is incredible and there's a lot of momentum behind it. So as, you know, as much as you trust yourself and have confidence in yourself, it's good sometimes to bounce these things off of other people. Yeah. I mean, my dad, <laughs> my dad is a good oh, one. Great. Yeah. He, um, he's in his seventies, but he's had a business for like over 40 years and wow. he's great with people. So I, I go to him quite a bit, my husband, and also our team members too. It's like, even if they're a new hire, I want to hear your ideas. What do you think of this? Like, I mm. want I want that collaborate, collaborative environment. So constantly, what do you think of this? I'm leaning this way. Do you think that's a good idea? Check-ins all the time. Yeah. Uh, th this is a style of leadership that I admire so much because it's different than that command and control. You know, I know everything and you need to follow me and we do what I say. It, it is definitely, I think, better, right? Because collectively, we do have better ideas than the idea on our own. And to be able to use that as a, a point of growth is smart. 
it's it's not smart to just be, you know, the the one solo leader that says follow me or or leave. So I think business is changing and I really think that this is a way of leadership that is also I think more comfortable for women, but I also think it's I think it's better leadership that can lead to greater results. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can get yourself, okay. Like I got the company to this level, but it's not going to be me that gets it to 10 X. It's going to be the people. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So I'm so interested in your course. I, I think you, that you have some type of a, a free resource, maybe a checklist or a quiz yeah. or something like that. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we have um, a free, it's like a 16-step checklist, daily actions to take with your Etsy shop. And even if you're not on Etsy yet, you're like, I want to start on Etsy, download this checklist so that you stay on track. It'll be a great resource. And we have a ton of free videos and over 100 YouTube videos and podcast episodes that you can um, take notes on. It's all free. And we've had people actually use our free resources and get to over $10,000 a month. So check it oh out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely incredible. And and your uh, YouTube channel and podcast is the multi six-figure Etsy blueprint. If you just type in Dylan Jarrus, you'll find it on there. Yeah. Amazing. We'll include all of that in the show notes. And I know that I'm going to be looking at that checklist. I'm always thinking about what can I do like on an, you know, e-commerce type of side, especially for, you know, my company, She Leads Media, because what we do is so, you know, it's so focused on on women and women entrepreneurs and empowering them and just almost being able to showcase your identity that I'm a successful, you know, woman entrepreneur to motivate other people. People is something that I uh, I'm constantly thinking about. You know, can we create some actual products that people would be interested in? You know, buying, using, whatever. So I'm going to take a look at all the uh, free resources, and then yeah, if I have any questions, I'll I'll <laughs> absolutely be reaching out to you, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Please do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> Oh my God, this was such a great conversation. I'm, I'm jazzed up about e-commerce and Etsy and I'm sure that our sugar-coated audience is as well. So thank you so much. Thanks. The She Leads Podcast Network.